This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Helen. And this is the Squiggly Careers podcast, where every week we talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss ideas for action and advice that we hope will help you and it always helps us to navigate our squiggly careers. And as we approach the end of this year, we thought we'd press pause and reflect on all of the things that have happened and share a few of our highs, lows, some happy moments and some things that we've learned along the way. And we're also, two bits of news, we are together for this podcast, yes. which, is, which is a rarity because we normally do it virtually. So that's always quite fun. I've got popcorn. <laughs> Helen's got nothing. She's not even got a drink. I had lunch though. <laughs> no, I've got three drinks and some popcorn and you're just sitting there with nothing. I'm sitting there because <laughs> point two is that we've not told each other the answers to no. the seven questions that we have developed to reflect on this year. So these answers are going to be a bit of a surprise for you and for us. I feel like we're doing kind of your review live. <laughs> we are and we're doing it in person. So I haven't even got the anonymity of being on like behind zoom or something so this could I'll be keep my eyes on the screen the whole time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on my notes no eye contact so this could be uh, this could be an interesting episode everybody we do want it to uh, be useful for you as well useful is one of our values so the pod sheet that accompanies this week's episode you'll be able to download that it will have the questions and we thought we'd also include some of our favourite recommendations of things to read, watch and listen to that we have engaged with this year. So that's what will be on the pod sheet. You can get the link for that in the show notes or if you can't find that, just email us at Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. So we're starting with a warm-up. Is, yeah. this, is this an official question or not an official no, question? this is like my warm-up question, Sarah, just to okay. te- it ease us into the seven questions. The warm-up question is the year in a word. And are we allowed to describe why we chose that? Or do we yeah, literally just, just have yeah, to say it? Yeah, we're not just going to say it. You're already getting annoyed that I'm, that I'm like, can I, how much leeway have can, I got? Can you see that Sarah's not had that much input into these questions? And now she's like, well, if I, if I was thinking about this, so you just have to say the word and okay. then you can explain it. So Sarah, your year in a word. Useful. Oh, have we got the same word? I've got the same word. Oh, <laughs> look how happy that makes you. Oh, that is cute. That is, so, that is actually that is quite cute. cute. That is cute. Go on, give me your reason. So I think it's been a really useful year for us to learn about ourselves and our business, Amazing If, and what we want to do and where we want to go. So I think there's been like some usefulness like internally that probably people don't see as much of, the stuff below the surface. And I really hope we have been even more useful for our community. So I think some of the things we've done around the podcast, which mainly is all the work that you do around Pod Sheet and Pod Plus and pod mail where we've now put everything in one place but way beyond the podcast even the workshops that we do the playlists that we create I think that value just I feel like has just sung from everything that we've done this year and I think at times that's meant we've had a lot on or really it's set a real a really high bar for us because we're always asking ourselves that question like how can we make this more useful or what makes this useful and because we're now so clear about that you really see through anything that's a bit rubbish so whenever I've done something where I'm like 
oh, this is not that useful. You can't let it go anymore because I think that sort of is a real guiding principle now. So, yeah, useful. I'm really, really similar. I really. It's going to be a really boring podcast if we just have the same answers for everything. Maybe we we should talk about this before. (laughs) Mine mine was really similar in terms of the why I kind of had useful. Do you know what I thought was interesting? The word of the year that we started out with was improvement. Mm. So this year was supposed to be about improvement. And instead of attaching ourselves to that, I think we have probably improved, but useful has really stuck. And the other thing that, I find interesting is that that is a business value that now just feels so deeply part of us. Mm. You know, when you think about organizational values and sometimes you say them and you have to kind of go, what's, what's the third one? What's yeah. the fourth one? But I don't think I will ever forget useful. It comes up in all of our comments. I'm so attached to that as a value now for us in our business. And what's interesting is that's not been there from the start. Given we both said it, it feels like it's really part of our DNA. I think it always has been, but probably we were, it was one of those, you know, we talk about values can be unconscious mm. and sometimes you've got to keep reflecting on them, talk about them and you sort of discover your DNA. You know, even though you might think, oh, it's really natural. And now when you say it to people, they're like, yep, that's exactly how we would describe you. But it's not like we've, for the past seven or eight years, always talked about useful as a word but I think it's become the real shining light hasn't it in our work oh well that was a nice warm-up it was that was a good warm-up makes us feel warm exactly what it did what it said on the tin let's see oh I wonder what this would say question official question number one official official what's the memory that will last longest from 2021 partly to do with the TED talk but it's not the TED talk itself it is the moment where we were practicing our TED talk in a park in the pouring rain standing quite a long way from each other and it feels like a real pandemic memory it just felt bizarre I felt like I can't imagine how this is ever going to translate into something at Abbey Road Studios that we're going to be proud of and we were both there with like our hoods up and then you had to set up a camera to try and film us from like a distance and there was like grannies walking past with their dogs and like (laughs) and people just watching us interrupting us halfway through as we were trying to memorize it But what's really interesting is I've got really fond memories of that. So even though there's lots of it that you're like, this is really hard, this is not obviously your ideal situational context to be practising something that was so important to us, I just remember just going, if there's anyone who can find their way through this moment, it will be us. And we just, I think we just enjoyed it, probably because we've not seen each other for a while. But also you sort of have to laugh at those things because I think if you ever take those things too seriously or take yourself too seriously, you lose the fun and I actually just remember really enjoying it yeah. and just being like, I think we knew deep down we'd got a talk we were proud of. And it didn't matter that we were standing in a park and it was, well, I mean, it was bleak, it was, it was cold, it was raining so much. So we recorded that so that we could watch it back and just sort of see how we were standing. And I've since thought, oh, that would be good social content. And then I've looked at it and I was like, that is, is never, it awful. It's awful. That's mainly because... What, we are awful or just it just we raining? Look, it was, it was, it's really grey and miserable looking. Yeah, You and I look like... like caterpillars that are like really like like we've got like 10 coats on because we've got like really like warm coats we couldn't even on. go in a cafe at that time could you so no. we couldn't even go and get we couldn't even afterwards go and sit and like have a coffee so I think we'd got a takeaway drink from somewhere and, th- <laughs> and then that and then we both just sort of got back in our cars and drove home we're like by then stand with graffiti on it and oh. a dog walking around <laughs> yeah there was that dog quite a lot and I was just like this is and luckily it wasn't too, I think because it was raining it wasn't too busy but I was just like this will probably never happen again in quite this way but I think if we can find our way through rain in a bandstand where you couldn't really get close to each other, I think we can find our way through most things. It gave me a lot of confidence. So that was one of mine. Uh, Uh, But my other one was the day that we filmed the LinkedIn ad. (laughs) For so so many reasons. Are you going to tell the truth about that day? So I was a little bit hungover on a day of the LinkedIn (laughs) ad slash quite a lot hungover. (laughs) Um, I turned up and you could barely talk. I had quite a croaky throat <laughs> on that day. And should anyone... I, wonder, I might have just finished by the time this podcast goes out. There might just be like one more week. So if anyone sees the ad, it just listen to my voice and you'll hear the croakiness of my voice now that you know. So yes, I'd had a night out um, the night before, quite a late one. And also I didn't quite... I knew that we were doing some filming, but I'd never filmed an ad before. And so we were in this studio. I got there a bit early. There weren't many people there to begin with. It's like an artist studio. So I was on my own and Sarah arrived. And then within about half an hour, like 50 people arrived who all knew exactly what they were doing and were obviously working to a schedule with a lot of confidence and clarity about what needed to be done. And I just felt like I was in this whirlwind of people. <laughs> I turned up and you just looked like you're so overwhelmed. You were just really sort of sitting in a corner, just like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was both hungry 
over and overwhelmed. And there was like photographers and they were like, stand on staircases. And then those people going, haze, shut the doors for the haze. Do you that smoke? Yeah, I was the, like, haze. What's the haze. And then I was like, oh, there's a squiggly sculpture. I didn't know there was going to be a squiggly sculpture. And I didn't know the people. So I didn't know who was doing what job. And I had to wear a boiler suit. And I was very distressed about wearing a boiler suit. Yeah, you really were. <laughs> and yeah, so it was all, it was all just, I think, very new very overwhelming but also quite exciting because you didn't yeah. really know what that was going to become and I think from then that was that was I think that was July and that advert went live and has ran for like the rest of the year and we've had so many comments and it's a memory of that day that has then been immortalized in film yeah <laughs> so it's quite yeah it's a it's a fun time maybe I'll start by asking you the next question okay though. so this is question two now what has surprised you about the last year I think the cumulative impact of all the things we've done. I don't know my sign, that's a really boring thing, Helen, but what, what it's made me realise... <laughs> it's that quite boring, to be fair. Sorry. The cumulative impact. <laughs> I'm like, I'm forever trying to go, you don't, don't sound too corporate. And you're just like, <laughs> most corporate sentence of all time. Do you know, do you know what it is? I, I look at some of the things that we get to do now, some of the opportunities that we have, some of the places that we can take the podcast to and, and our business running career development programmes for companies... I think it's how everything has connected. It's the podcast plus the book plus the ad plus the work that we do every day with organisations. And I can really, when we started our business, we didn't have some massive strategic plan that over you know an eight year period, we would do all these things and it would build on each other and it would become this business that we both love and is growing and is making a difference to people. It didn't start there. It started of, oh, how can we work together and do something we love that can help people? And now I just see, I think what surprised me is I see all of those different separate pieces coming together into something quite significant. And I look at it and go, wow, if we'd started out with that strategy, that that would have been (laughs) really really smart. But now I just go, it's consistency, consistency of how do we make careers better for everybody and staying very focused on that. It is a lot of effort and energy and it has been quite a lot of opportunity. But this year, I think I've been surprised at how much all of that has come together and is now starting to really accelerate our impact in a way that I'm really proud and excited by. I had a couple of things. The first thing was I think I feel like the more we have worked together and I think people probably know that we've known each other for a long time. So we've been friends for a long time, but really only worked together probably very intensely for a year, 18 months. And I think sometimes I'm surprised by both how similar we are some of the time and also how different we are. And almost the more we work together, the more I see our similarities and I see our differences. And I find that interesting and surprisingly. It's quite nice that there's sort of layers to our friendship that yeah. sort of like we're like 20 years in that we can still be realising yeah. new things about each other. It's quite nice. And at times I think I have been surprised sometimes where maybe we have different points of view or different approaches. And I think, oh, I hadn't expected that. Well, that's really interesting. And we can learn from that. And we can be even better because we're both similar and different. I thought that surprised me. And then I think the other thing that surprised me is you can be doing what you love and what gives you so much energy, but that you still sometimes find it hard to practice what you preach. I mean, I hope no one ever thinks that we are perfect because we are so far from that. But sometimes... I will either be interviewing someone or I'll I'll learn about an idea or a concept and then I'll think, oh, but I don't do that. I don't do that myself and I really want to. Or, you know, you're creating your own business. So you think, surely I should be able to have all the freedom to design everything in a way that should work. You should, you almost, in your head, I go, I should be able to make this like the perfect experiment for what you could do to kind of make careers better for everyone. But there are still times where you can't or you may be, do things without consciously knowing what you're choosing to do or you make mistakes along the way so I think sometimes that has surprised me where even when you're doing something you love you can still end up doing things where you think okay well that's been a really hard day or crikey I really need a break or that's been really tough so even though I I never ever get Sunday night dread and I never Mm. get fear and that's an amazing I look forward to work every single day but also probably this year for the first time I've also had days where I've thought I need to stop working as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that that links a little bit with the next question. Yeah. So the next question is, what have you found the hardest this year? You know, when you're answering these questions <laughs> and I was thinking it's hard not to be topical and like, you know, timely in terms of your response because of what is top of mind, which to me also really proves a point of why you should ask yourself these questions quite regularly. We're doing this at the end of the year, but I think if you ask these questions every quarter and you'd noted down 
what you thought. I can remember some things being hard earlier in the year, but you know when you like it sort of merges into yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So recency bias. Yeah, I do think you do get a bit of that. So I picked two, and I tried to pick one from the start of the year and, and one very recent one. So one thing definitely hard. I get a lot of joy from writing. And so we were still writing You Coach You at the start of this year. I spent some of that time very in quite a kind of isolated room by myself, not really talking to anyone. I enjoy working in that way. And I think we found a really good rhythm to that, but it was still hard. I think things can be hard and enjoyable. And so writing a book, I think is hard and enjoyable at the same time, because when you get a tool or a page where you're like, you know, this works, that's a really good feeling. But that can sometimes be the 20th draft. Mm. It can sometimes be the second draft, but it's very rarely the first draft. So I remember finding that hard and enjoyable. So I think those things can coexist. I also found last Thursday really hard. What last Thursday? <laughs> I had a meltdown oh. at Clapham Junction oh. Station. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of... I'm, that might be linked to some of my reflections. Yeah. Yeah. Recency bias. <laughs> so I do think you, you... Like I say, I was like, I shouldn't just talk about that. But I definitely had a moment in the last couple of weeks where I got to the point of overwhelm and feeling like I couldn't find my way through that overwhelm. And that felt really hard. And also when a feeling feels something you've not experienced in quite that way before, I think that makes it extra hard. So I've definitely felt really busy before, or I felt like, wow, I've got a lot to achieve or a lot to do. But I think I'm quite comfortable with that feeling and that feels quite familiar for me. So I recognise that and I, you know, you have your own coping techniques. You have your, well, this is how I approach those moments of being busy or having some really big and important things to do. And I think I got to the point a couple of weeks ago where I just thought it is just too much and all of those things feel very important and I can't see my way through them. And so that, you know, you did that whole, you're just going round and round in spirals in your head and not going to sleep, essentially. So I had had a little minor meltdown for a couple of days and I'm all fine now. Well, maybe we'll talk about it a bit more again. But that was the first time I think I've ever felt like that in my career. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, with all the different jobs you've done and when you're when you're running your own thing, perhaps people would think you would never get to that point. Mm. But I, I definitely did. And I feel a lot better now through some of the things that then happened over the 48 hours afterwards. But I did sort of have a, can I just hide under a duvet for a little while moment? <laughs> it, did, it did sound like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that. There you go. That's what I found hard. What about you? Well, it's interesting what you mentioned about the book. It's not the thing that I wrote, but I do remember at the time, which I've probably forgotten about, it's a good prompt, like that chapter where we, we there was a... Nearly fell out? Yeah, yeah, we nearly fell out. And, and, and Sarah <laughs> and I like, don't really probably fall out, but we, we, we do disagree about stuff. And there was a chapter in our new book on relationships. <laughs> and basically, we just both come at the chapter from a slightly different perspective. You know, one of us had done the first draft, and I can't remember, but basically we, we kept fundamentally changing each other's work to the point at which it was frustrating because it was like, well, what is the point in me looking at this chapter if you're just going to rewrite it completely? And we were both coming to that conclusion and we had a bit of a difficult late night. No, 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 no. you was at me at like 4.45 in the morning. I woke, I woke up one morning to about seven WhatsApp messages that had been sent about 5am with you, Bessie, getting quite angry <laughs> about this chapter. And I was like, wow, that's something quite interesting to wake up to. <laughs> Good morning. morning. I'm very frustrated yes. by these chapter events. <laughs> slash angry is the word she's not saying. She's sounding more angry than frustrated, I would say. I mean, it was a text. <laughs> I, I'm going to find these texts and yeah. we'll maybe share them. <laughs> oh, God, no. You, there is no way you could share okay. those. So now there's two things we're not sharing with you, everybody. Early angry morning texts and pictures or videos. It was in the rain. <laughs> it was in the rain. Yeah. But they exist, everybody. They do. So, yeah, so I do remember that as a, as a moment that felt quite challenging. Mm. Um, but actually, the thing that I have found hardest this year is switching off. And if I think about, like Sarah, you know, we, we genuinely do love what we do and we do spend a lot of time doing it. I think because we both like doing what we do, we sort of feed each other sometimes. Yeah. Like Sarah will have an idea and then I'll pick up on it. So even in that time when sometimes you might press pause, one of us will kind of restart the thinking because yeah. there's something in our mind. If I think this year, you know, I've worked on holiday, um, both my holidays actually, I did a podcast in Nine Wales, which, yeah, I, which I quite car. enjoyed, which I quite enjoyed that one in, in the car. And then the recent holiday in rainy Lake District, I also worked. And it's a choice to do that, but sometimes it's felt like I've also needed to do it because we had various things on. And I think it's probably not sustainable to do that I do need some time to switch off but I have found that hard to do because I love doing what we do and I also have had 
such an amount of work that it hasn't always found it easy to switch off. I wouldn't say it's been a big problem this year, but as we keep going and keep growing, I think that just becomes a harder problem that I have to solve. And some of it is within me. Some of it is I have to let it go. And some of it is, well, it has to go somewhere. I think they're sort of two hard things to solve with that one. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that rationally, you know you need to take a break and you know, objectively, your brain will be better if you take a break. And then I think there's like the rational and then there's like the practical where Mm. you're like, well, yes, but these two things still have to happen. Or sometimes it feels hard, doesn't it, to make priority choices or to say no to things or to explain to someone you can't do something when you thought you were going to do it. It just feels easier to just do it. So let's stay with you. Uh, We're doing the hard stuff right in the middle, I feel here. So this is the fourth question. We talk a lot and we've talked a lot this year about the importance of making mistakes, mistakes being okay, getting used to being comfortable with making mistakes, and most importantly, what you learn from them. So an example of a mistake you've made this year and what have you learned? Oh, so this is a bit recency bias, but it has cropped up quite a lot. And the issue is I don't think I'll learn from it. So <laughs> just keep, keep repeating it. I'm learning that it's a problem, everybody. So my problem solvingness, I think, means that sometimes I can derail a meeting with it. And that, that has happened, isn't it? Like we've, we've been in meetings together when something has cropped up. Like we've got a lot of things to talk about, but maybe like the second item on an agenda is something where there's a problem. And I go into problem solving mode and I get quite detailed about it. I'm like, oh, we could do this, we could do this. And it takes away from the rest of the conversation that we need to have. And it doesn't need to be solved in that moment. But because I like fixing things fast, I find it hard to pick up a problem and pause it till later. I sort of want to solve it and get it done. And I don't think that's quite helpful. And if I think about your, we're going to call it the Clapham Junction meltdown. Yeah. Okay. Clapham Junction meltdown. I think a similar thing happened there, which is I heard a problem, which actually wasn't the problem. And I went into problem solving solution because I was like, oh, I can hear there is a problem that needs fixing fast. This is the way we will fix that problem fast. And that wasn't the actual problem. And so I think my, the mistake that I'm sometimes making is that, all problems need to be fixed fast and they need to be fixed fast by me, mm-hmm. actually. And I'm hoping that I will get better at doing something with that learning because at the moment I think I'm still making the mistake. But <laughs> what's that conscious incompetence? That's, yeah, where, that's, I'm, that's where I'm at at the moment. Consciously incompetence with my problem solving. Better than being solving. unconsciously yeah, incompetent. <laughs> that's probably one of the things that I've learned this year. <laughs> that's the learning. The hmm. learning is your self-awareness so if you're thinking about self-awareness and action you've got the self-awareness bit you now just need to think about the action 2022 action (laughs) slow down the problem solving (laughs) you don't have to fix everything fast you don't have to do it yourself go on what's the mistake you've made this year I could think of lots and it's you know some of them are more like task focused mistakes and then some of them more people focused mistakes and some of them might be more projects I was like I can almost categorize my mistakes into like people projects process those kind of things which I actually found it I find it easier to think of examples when I thought of it that way. I think one people mistake that I made this year is I gave somebody some feedback very quickly on something that had gone wrong and I delivered that feedback too quickly. What I think I hadn't appreciated, and we all, you know, we talk about it's good to give feedback as close to the moment as possible while it's still fresh. And most of the time, I think that can work. But I think there are sometimes points where you need to leave space for people to absorb especially when people have maybe when you go oh a mistake has been made or something hasn't happened in the way that you'd hoped I think my default reaction a bit like your default reaction is to fix problems fast my default reaction is to go okay no worries right what can we learn what can we do differently next time and I'm sort of always in continual improvement my head is always continually improving myself everything else everyone else every project and I hadn't quite realized until this year that that was quite as evident as it is. I don't think I had the self-awareness of that. And I don't think probably other people had seen it in me as much until now. Though, interestingly, I talked to a previous boss about this the other week and said, oh, I'm sort of noticing, actually, I've got a real sort of drive for continual improvement. And that can be really helpful, but also it can be detrimental if delivered in the wrong way. And she just went, yeah, I can see that. I was like, (laughs) okay. So clearly it's not that big a surprise, is it? And maybe it's slightly more part of me than I'd appreciated. And it's not just that example. I can think of quite a few examples of things that we work on where at the moment I haven't quite figured out the balance of going continual improvement is a useful mindset, but how do I apply that in a way that is helpful? Mm. And so sometimes I don't apply it at all because I get fearful of, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I think, oh, maybe it doesn't matter, but then it does matter. (laughs) Like to me, I'm going, well, this would help us next time. 
And so sometimes I think I do nothing, so that's not great. And then sometimes I think the things that I do are not helpful. And so I think I've made some mistakes in like actually quite a few different things this year that have also been driven by that continual improvement thing that I sort of have in me. I think I hadn't recognised until now. A bit like you, I go, oh, I've sort of got the awareness now. And I think these things do take a bit of a while to figure out. And you sort of have to make some mistakes. So you could really beat yourself up, I think, about the mistakes that we've talked about. And you do sort of a bit. Because yeah, you're like, you do often you feel like, well, that wasn't good enough. Or I want to be better than that. But knowing that I think, well, make, at least I've made those mistakes now. So now I can think about what can I learn and what could I try? And you might try a different approach or technique and it might not work. I think you might continue to still make some mistakes. I think if you feel it's binary, you're probably putting yourself in the right in the wrong mindset. Do you know what I think it is? Sometimes I think it's sort of radical candor gone wrong. So you yeah. know radical candor is a scale of the extent to which you can challenge directly and that you care personally. You actually really care personally about yeah. everything. You yeah. care about people, you care about the business. But sometimes I think that you challenge directly and you don't always surface the care personally, but you do, like you, yeah. you, you do deeply, really deeply. But I think you just come out with the challenge, like the even better if, the what I think could we could do differently, this is what went wrong here. This is, And it's almost like, maybe it's just more explicitly stating the care personally, personally. Yeah. because the risk is, well, I mean, this is never new, but the risk is obnoxious aggression, isn't it? Where you don't, where you're not seen to be caring personally and you continually challenge directly. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah, and I think for me, you can imagine that could also feel very relentless in a sort of a, well, we never hear good news. If you're working with me, you might feel like you're only hearing the even better ifs mm. because sometimes the maybe the what's working well goes unsaid or you sort of, I've thought about it in my head, but you've not said it out loud. Mm. So yeah, loads of mistakes. Then I could think about loads of smaller mistakes. I mean, I didn't find it hard to come up with mistakes. <laughs> but I think the thing that's changed for me is I used to find mistakes really difficult they were like definitely a fixed mindset trigger for me and it meant that sometimes I wouldn't do something or I'd spend too long overthinking things where I had made a mistake and the thing I'm proud of this year the one of the things around mistakes I'm proud of is I've got much better at thinking well that is a mistake and that's okay to make mistakes and what am I going to try differently what do I do differently so for me that's cool. because it's such a big fixed mindset thing for me I feel like even being able to talk about mistakes feels quite unusual. It's not something I've spent much time in my career doing. I think that links to the next question, like words that we have sort of reclaimed, Mm. mistakes, and the second one would be experiments. I feel like we've actually started to quite own that word and and talk about it. It's really helped us, actually, hasn't it? really helped us. So the next question is, what have you experimented with for the first time this year? And maybe before we answer that, the point here is that this is about beginner's mindset, doing something not because you always know it's going to succeed, but because you're trying it out for the first time and you're going into new spaces or you're trying new skills. And it's a really important part of how we grow as soon as you make the assumption that it has to be successful you start to put a pressure on it you don't push yourself but this idea of what are we experimenting just to try it out just to learn not to always succeed really starts to kind of just create new opportunities a bit more fun some more exploration so what's me experimented with this year well, I actually don't take the credit for this. So this was actually a we. I answered this with a royal we. Let's see what if it's the same we, one. <laughs> what have we experimented with for the first time? But I think to kind of reiterate your point, even just using the word experiment has meant that we have said yes to doing some things that we would definitely have said no to or done in a very different way because of the expectation we would have placed on ourselves. And so earlier this year, we launched our first Squiggly Careers Advocates Programme, which is 100 people who just advocate for squiggly careers with the work that they do, with the organisations they're in. And I think when we first talked about that, we got lots of other things on and it would have been really easy to not do that or to put a lot of pressure on ourselves in terms of what that had to be and what we, the time we had to invest in that or what that had to become. And I think we had just started talking about this idea of well, what are our experiments as Amazing If? And we sort of decided, slash you talked me into, um, going, well, let's just see it as an experiment. Let's see it as like something to try out. And I think that has been such a success as a result of that, because it's meant that we use it quite a lot, you know, and also we're not attached to it in the same way that I think we are some other things that are probably critical to our success of Amazing If and to what we do. And so then you, like you say, you can be a bit more playful. You can be a bit more fun. You can try some stuff out you do what worked well even better if in a slightly different way when it's an experiment versus if you're going, there are some things that, you know, you really want to set yourself a high standard for because they're really important that you get right. 
And I think also even sharing the fact that it's an experiment with our advocates. Mm. You know, so we've said it out loud. They know that. We've not even tried to predetermine whether we'll do it again. And I think for you and I, we both find that hard to not be like, well, where is this going? How will we build on this? How do we make it even better next year? I see you in particular work really hard to not do that for this. Like I watch you, because I don't find that, that as difficult, but I see you go, of course, if we decided to do another Squiggly Career Advocates, when we review whether it has been successful. And I, I do s- find it hard because I yeah. feel like my tendency, like basically I would like to have a Squiggly Career Advocate alumni where people from this year do different things. I've got all these ideas about how we could grow and scale it, but I have to stop because I don't know if we will continue it and whether we will continue it or not, I think has to be insight and feedback from the advocates about whether it has actually helped them to Hmm. do what they're doing more and support them or not and it's not my opinion it's sort of their insight and I do have to like stop myself from trying to take it further so I think that has actually been quite transformational I think for our business and it's something I even heard someone talk about it last week in terms of attitudes to risk you know people talk about oh as a team or as an organization how do you work out like your risk profile and I always think that sounds really abstract and kind of hard to get your head around whereas actually I think if you as a team and I think this is something we might do for Amazing If for next year if you look at your objectives and then your key results I think as part of then thinking well what does that mean in terms of what I work on and how I work which of those things where you think right, I really want to make sure we do like a brilliant job of that. Like mm. we really wanted to make sure we did a brilliant job of you, Coach You. To me, that felt completely non-negotiable. So then you approach that in terms of how much time you invest, how much you do it together versus, you know, one of you might go off and make a bit of progress versus if you're going, oh, it's an experiment, you change your mindset. And I think doing that even more intentionally, also doing that as a team, because I think you and I have just sort of done that this year mm. to sort of go, oh, this feels interesting. And it has been really helpful. I wish I'd done it more in my Corporate uh, well, I've started doing it. I haven't told you about this because you think I'm going rogue, but I have started what? doing it with clients. With clients now, like um, one of our clients, I've just pitched like an experimental session where we're going to mix very different groups of people right. in one session to see whether that makes the learning last okay. longer. And okay. I've pitched it to them. It's like a 60 minute experiment. And that may then change how we deliver mm. future programs. But I think, yeah, the more people you can enlist in your experiments, the better. So mine would mm. be that, definitely yep. that one, the joint one. I think on a smaller scale, I found it really useful to experiment with a few like different tools and things. So like, you know, like the Squiggly Career Knowledge Navigator, um, which <laughs> so I basically start with some kind of an alliterative idea like that one. Or what was the one that I did last week? The Balanced Squiggly Career Scorecard. Loved that one. <laughs> so I start with some random idea. Normally at breakfast, everybody, when I'm very fueled by I usually coffee. wake up to it again. I mean, you should see everybody, the WhatsApps that I wake up to sometimes. <laughs> I'm just like, I never quite know what's going to come my way. <laughs> and I sort of sketch it out. And I'm like, oh, I could just make this on Canva in 20 minutes. And then I put this experimental thing out and see what sticks. That for me is really interesting to, because sometimes it doesn't really go anywhere. And I kind of go, oh, that probably wasn't a very useful thing mm-hmm. to put out in the world. And sometimes people share it and use it and like it. And then it helps me go, oh, what could we do more with that? But it never has to be successful and it never has to be perfect. Like I always look at it and go, oh gosh, there's a few typos on there. But the point is not perfection. The point is experimentation. So yeah, that's probably a smaller scale one of mine that I've enjoyed doing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So let's stay with you for a second then. So we're on question six, just in case anyone's not following, we'll perhaps summarise the questions at the end. We will. <laughs> and it's on the pod sheet, everyone. Um, how have you grown this year? It'll be interesting to see what you, whether you think this is true. Um, okay. Okay. So I think I've got better at knowing what I need and then acting on it. So I think quite a lot of time in my career, I've sort of been a chameleon to the organisation that I've been in. So, and then I don't think I've been Helen at the end of it. So I've adapted to what that organisation has needed me to be and how yep. they've needed me to show up. And I've sort of morphed into their culture and I've sort of lost a bit of myself along the way. And I think this year, if I think about some specific examples, I have realised that I need like I need a lot more social connection than you. And I've realised that. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think? <laughs> but as a result, I've joined some different networks this year, some new ones. I've really looked at my diary to make sure that I've got that in. And I feel much more excited and energised because of it boundaries like I have an office space and Sarah doesn't yeah that's true and and that's because I've recognized that I was just feeling a bit flat spending all of my time in this place and I know that you would go out for a walk but you would still come back to the same place and I think that just wasn't working for me as our business has changed it wasn't working for me to be in that place so that would be another one exercise would be another one like I've realized that I need that and if you think there's been quite a few times in my diary when I've been quite fixed about I'm leaving at five to go and do that if you think about Helen two years ago yeah I wouldn't, never have I wouldn't have done that and so we well, never done exercise <laughs> let alone leave to go and do some exercise <laughs> so I, I when I started thinking about it I actually felt really pleased that I have got a lot clearer on what helps me to be at my best and that self-awareness but also really putting that into action I don't think I've compromised on it I think I've stuck to those things I've got the office I've put that I've prioritized those things in my diary and I've, I've protected it quite well and that's quite unhelen I think what about you? How have you grown this year? I think I have got better, though I still find it hard at difficult conversations and difficult decisions. So to use the Clapham Junction meltdown, <laughs> I feel like it's going to go down in sort of a tiny bit of history, partly because a few people know about it now because some of those people helped me. I think probably even a year ago, that would have just stayed in my head and I wouldn't have had any conversations with anyone. And so for me, that feels good. That feels like growth. And I think I'm probably better at difficult decisions than I am difficult conversations. So difficult conversations, I feel like I've got better at. I feel like even when, let's say we're talking to maybe clients, I don't feel like I would compromise what we think is the right thing to do. You know, you sort of, your instinct is often to say yes to everyone because you want to be helpful. I think I'm good now at saying that's not what we would recommend and this is why. And having those difficult conversations in the moment, which often previously I would have thought about those things after a conversation and then you either have to like write an email or you just don't say anything Mm. and then you're sort of already stuck to that thing that's sort of happened so I think I'm just getting more use to those and continually growing I've also written down like more of a technical skill so I think writing is one of those things that the more you do it the better you get probably like most skills and I don't think either of us actually are the best writers Mm. I can name millions of people who are better at writing than both of both of us um So I think it's always hard and it's always hard for both of us and we have quite different writing styles. But I think I feel like I have grown in terms of, you know, your ability to find your voice, to feel confident about writing. I'm really proud of our first Harvard Business Review article. And that's a very different type of writing, actually, to writing for LinkedIn, which is a very different type of writing to writing a book. So actually, the breadth of both of our abilities to write on a number of for a number of different whether it's like where you're going to read it, but also who's reading it, when are they reading it, knowing when something needs to be three bullet points or when something can have a bit more space. I feel I'm getting better at it. It's something I want to continue to improve in. Probably the one I'm worst at is Instagram, where I sort of want to write a mini essay. And, and, oh, that and should be your even better if for next year. I agree. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, thanks. Like, I was like, yes, you should do yeah. that. So I don't really ever want to write like something with emoticons. I'm always like, well, you know, I want to, I'd rather talk about it on a podcast or I'd rather write a longer article. No, making careers better for everyone. Social media does have a lot of reach. Yes, I know. I know so it does. But you're also very good at it. It's good to stick to your strengths. Mm, <laughs> I, I wrote one recently. You, yeah, it was very good. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so I do, but I think my um, my speed, you would all be really surprised how long it takes me to write an Instagram post. I would say it takes Helen circa one minute to five minutes. It takes me 
half an hour of thinking about it at least if not more and then probably one draft and then I go back and then I think about it a bit more and Helen is really shaking her head and I do realize that's very anti-social media but so I think I've got some unlearning and relearning to do when it comes to writing but I think my writing I really got... want to give you one social media post a week for your okay. speed development but I also think but I want it to get posted to go out <laughs> <laughs> maybe I won't give like last week, I'd actually written it last week if you were there on whatsapp go give me a hard time have you written your post yet I was like yes I, I think that was like the third time I asked I know I was trying to ask really nicely like <laughs> yeah, you said, yeah you did ask nicely but I think that's because of the meltdown though you were like you were like walking really? on eggshells you were like is she okay <laughs> Have you, just, have you done the work that you're meant to be doing? Mind. Yes. Um, <laughs> and my exercise one, which is like, I don't know whether it counts as exercise really, but a bit like you've said, you've tried to prioritise like doing some exercise. I am good at knowing that walking is an important part of my work. Like you say, you will go for a walk. I think there have definitely been times where I feel like I have not had time to go for a walk in the day and I've still gone and there's been implications of doing that. And also I think, you know, when you feel that pressure of like being like, really busy but still going out for a walk Mm. somehow it just feels wrong it feels like the wrong thing to do but I just know I feel so much better when I have been outside during the day to your point as well about like working in one room when you're working probably more virtually than out and about funny enough it's completely different if I'm out and about I don't feel that same sense of being like I must go for a walk it's more if I'm at home during the day going out at some point ideally early afternoon when I think you sort of get the early afternoon sort of lull and I think particularly, funnily enough, if the sun is shining, I actually get quite angry and frustrated, almost like (laughs) with myself and the world, if it's sunny and I'm inside all day. I feel a real draw to like spend some time outside. And I'm lucky I live near like a beautiful park. I live near a river. I can very easily go and do that. I get so many voice notes from Sarah when she's had a good walk. That's what I I know. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like 20 ideas and four voice notes here (laughs) on my WhatsApp. Honestly, everyone, our WhatsApps, there must be like a book in our WhatsApps of stuff. Uh, Not a book I'd want to read. Like, (laughs) no one would want to read that book. So yeah, some good growth, I think, for both of us this year. Final question. I'll ask you first. Number seven, what are you most looking forward to next year other than working with me? Um, okay. Yeah, Obviously, that was going to be your first. Yeah, I, I'm just going to skip that one because that, yeah, that's, that's obvious. Really, uh, yeah. So I've, I've got a personal and a, and a professional. Oh, okay. <laughs> so my, um, my now I feel bad because I didn't do the personal one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> so my professional one is you, Coach You. I'm so excited about sharing that book with everybody, and it's more than just we spent quite a lot of time working on it, and it's finally here to share. It's more than that. Part of the reason we've written that book is about our commitment to democratising development. And I really see coaching as a capability that everybody should have access to. And Sarah and I often talk about the difference between coach as a person, which is brilliant, and coach as an approach, which is also brilliant. They're both valuable. And I think the more people that we can help take a coaching approach to their career development, the more people will be able to help themselves with whatever knotty moments they have whatever challenges whatever conundrums and the better they will be equipped to have conversations with their managers their mentors and if they're fortunate enough to have a coach a coach and I just feel like it is the next bit of our making careers better for everybody it's it's a big sort of we should get it soon it's meant to come through we should be getting the first kind of ones that have come off the production line Ooh, if that's the right phrase it, it won't be warm though it won't be warm because I think it'll have been posted a bit and also it's tricky it down at rain yeah. today it might be there when we get home today or maybe tomorrow <gasps> very exciting or if I spot a typo I'm going to cry don't don't, um, don't, don't look for typos don't, don't look for typos <laughs> just flick flick through it um, so that what's, was your, what's your personal yeah. one it's really holidays <laughs> so basically in 2022 I'm just going to go two, holiday a lot and not work well, ideally got, well yes well I've got two hot holidays booked hard got, to work on a hot holiday hopefully yeah February and then October and I am just, I want to get on a plane. I've really missed, I was never like a massive traveller, but I guess, you know, when you can't do something, you really want to do it. But I really want to get on an aeroplane. I want to go see some different things. I want my children to see some different things. I want to make memories with them that aren't just in my village. So cheesy. <laughs> so cheesy. I, I want do. to make memories. Well, Is that like an advert? But when I just because about... you've been in an advert now. <laughs> when I think about my memories as a child, it was like the first time I tried some like weird food that I'd not had before or, you know, like learning to swim in a pool. Or... Yeah, mine was like Scarborough. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually is absolutely brilliant for holiday. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you could learn to some uh, lovely grey scarbrasses. Scarbrass fine. Really cold. Um, but yeah, but I am looking forward to some hot holidays on an aeroplane and just having some of those experiences and making some of those memories. So fingers crossed that happens. Yeah, we'll I hope. hope so. We'll hope. I hope so. And you don't have to take your laptop and you could maybe turn your phone off. Yes. 
she's looking at me now, everybody saying, I've heard what you've said and I'm going to hold you to it. make that happen. (laughs) Okay, what are you most looking forward to? I thought about the book as well, so I'm just, I'm not going to repeat that. I'm really looking forward to seeing where our team can take us Mm. in 2022. So I think probably next year for the first time, like lots of people we work with are freelance or work with as part-time or some of the time. But I feel for the first time ever that we are now more than each other. That Amazing If is more than just the two of us. You know, obviously we still matter, I hope. <laughs> Maybe by this time next year, <laughs> everyone would have superseded us. And I mean, imagine how much rest you'd get, amazing. <laughs> um, so I think I'm just excited about that, about the potential of different skills and personalities and perspectives. And because I do believe when you get a really brilliant team together, and I've been fortunate enough to be part of those teams a couple of times in my career, you do things that you can't anticipate. You're better in ways that you can't imagine. It almost doesn't worry me that I don't know what that looks like yet, but I am I excited about what it, it could though. look like. You know, yeah. like the people in our team, I already see it and I go, that's better than what we would have done. <laughs> and that's not a question I would have asked. I'm like, this is amazing. This is yeah. so much better because of it. And so as good as I think we are as a team, I think we'll be even better with all the right people working with us and making us better and challenging us. And maybe this could be my personal one. <laughs> Are you going to make one up now? No, no, I had written this down anyway, because it's not. It's quite selfish, um, <laughs> is around, I've been planning to go to do lectures in Wales for two or three years. It's been cancelled twice, basically. So I think I was meant to go 2020 and 2021, and in 2022, I hope I will be able to go. And so do lectures is, I don't even know, I can't remember now how long it is, maybe like three or four days in Wales, Loads of really interesting speakers. A couple of people have been on the podcast as guests. People like Babette Buster. Um, and David, the founder, coming on very soon as well. Of course he is. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just looking forward to that because I think I've followed the work of Do Lectures and like, I really like the Do Books and I really admire lots of the people that they get to write the books. And so, you know, when you already sort of feel like you're part of that community but not as close as you'd like to be through no one's fault. And I really like to learn from them and kind of what they've done and what they've created and I always see David swimming in the sea. Yeah. I always think, oh, that looks very invigorating. I don't know if I want to swim in the sea, but I'll Sounds like a social media post in the making, Sarah. I don't think you're allowed to take your phones. Uh, I, I sort uh, of hope you're not. Uh, I sort of feel like it's, you know, what happens at Do Lectures stays at Do Lectures, other than what they film. And they actually make loads of the videos available for free on mm, their website. Yeah, the speeches. Um, sort of like an alternative to TED. I would say if you wanted more of a long watch and a bit more story, you know, TED is sort of like the short, mm. concise edit. If you go and watch some of those videos, I feel like you get more of a sense of space and people sharing a bit more of their story. So I always actually really like watching those and they're all really well produced, really good quality films. So I'd really recommend those. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it'll put me out of my comfort zone as well, because even on one hand, I look forward to it. But on the other hand, I'm scared of all of those people that I don't know and having to stay with people I don't know. And that that is a good thing to be scared of doing those things. It's you getting into your courage zone. It is. Sort of the learning bit is my comfort zone and then the new people is my courage zone. So having gone through seven questions to reflect on 2021, how, how are you feeling? It's quite intense. Yeah, it's quite intense. <laughs> how am I feeling? I'm feeling... Might need a cup of tea. I don't know. A glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling, why did we not do this over a gin and tonic? Why have we only got a cup of tea and some popcorn? Some popcorn. Um, yeah. I think it makes me feel like I want to write something down. I want to think then about the so what. Like, so what does this mean for 2022? Also, what do I want to remember? Because I do think you feel different towards the end of a year. So we're recording this mid-December. And then you feel different at January. And things get, it's really easy to get back into routines and doing what you did before. And you could easily have exactly the same conversation in a year's time. And I hate the idea of that. Mm. I, I don't like the idea of kind of losing the insights or the awareness that you probably do feel at a certain moment in time during a year. So that's how I feel. I feel like I want to take what we've talked about for both you and for me. Because I like go, oh, I want to sort of, like you say, be your partner in some of the things you want to also get better at. I agree. And I wonder whether, we can consider this action to take away, um, I feel like I sort of want to write a letter to myself. You know, like the the, the reflections I've got now, both to myself and also what I've heard you talk about to make sure that I could support you. And I sort of want to open it in six months' time. I don't want to wait till the end of next year to do it. But I want to open it in six months' time and sort of, it's not hold myself to account, but kind of go... 
that's what you were thinking six months ago. How is that going? How is that going? Because you still have six months to put any of that stuff into action if, and support Sarah putting into action. Should we do if that? Haven't done, yeah, should we do it? So it's a letter to ourselves we're going to keep and then a date in our diary to open it. Yeah, you could time. do a social media post. Can I? Can I? Okay. Well, okay. in six months' time. Can you write neatly on a nice envelope that's got uh, some aesthetic yeah. social media? Okay, great. Sure. <laughs> so let's just recap those questions for you. So if you want to start with a warm-up, it is what was your year in a word? And then the seven questions. What's the memory that will last longest from 2021? What has surprised you about the year? What have you found hardest this year? What is a mistake you've made and what have you learned from it? What have you experimented with for the first time? How have you grown? And what are you most looking forward to next year? And we're going to be starting 2022 with an episode all about designing your development. So how you can kickstart your career development for the year ahead. And we'll also be letting you know how you can get hold of our free 12-month squiggly career calendar that can support you as well. So that's in that first episode of the year. And then we're going to be following that with lots of different episodes all around you, Coach You. Uh, we've got lots of guest speakers and Sarah and I are going to be sharing insights because if you did not know, the book comes out <laughs> in January, everybody. It's finally here. Very excited. And finally, we just wanted to say whether this is your first episode. I mean, if this is, this is quite injection, isn't it? Into uh, squiggly careers. You feel like you probably know us quite well now. Usually there are lots of ideas for action and tools but this probably you has been listening to us a little bit more than usual and we know that for some of you because you've shared it with us we've made it to the top of your listens on spotify thank you so much it it does blow us away and every single review and rating we get we appreciate your support so much we still sometimes forget that it is more than just each other and my mum listening. Um, and we know that lots of you recommend it to different people, that you come back every week. And we really appreciate all of your feedback and support. It means we can keep doing what we're doing. And it just means that we really enjoy it. So thank you all so much. And we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.